Welcome everybody to the beautiful Tempe Center for the Arts. How are we all doing now tonight? Uh, that sounded pretty good, but I know you can do better this Veterans Day. How are we doing tonight for our veterans? And welcome to the fabulous Tempe Center for the Arts. Okay, Paul Green is our headliner. Let's hear from Paul Green. I'm not, I'm not the man of the hour. I'm the man for the next uh, ten and a half minutes. So, um, uh, how you guys doing? Good mood? Yeah. Isn't this a beautiful place? Yes. You know, there was a, a survey done recently, a national survey, that uh, this is the most beautiful place to see a comedy show at a fake lake in Tempe. <laughs> It's uh, in the uh, Guinness Book of uh, Beer Drinkers. So, um, my name is Tony Vizic. It is my distinct uh, privilege to, uh, once a month, bring you the Tempe Comedy Concert Series, which is what you are not doing comedy with us. You can end up on the most depressing show on television. <laughs> so, I'm glad to be here. Like I said, Paul Green, who uh, uh, did many shows with us uh, a number of years uh, uh, back, and I told, uh, just a few short years ago, and I told Paul, I says, uh, you need to take the opportunity to go to Los Angeles. And it started to do very well there. I called him up and I said, we'd love to have you back. So he came all the way in from Los Angeles to uh, perform for you. And, of course, uh, from Fox 10. Uh, and I'm, I can say this without any embarrassment. A man who I watch almost every morning in my underwear. Um, <laughs> Corey McCloskey is here, uh, along with a couple of special guests. And I'm glad just to be standing in front of you, to be perfectly frank. Uh, I'm 61, first off. By applause, how many people are 60 or over? Let's hear that. 60 or over? <laughs> people under 60. You hear that? That's the sound of false hope. That's the sound of, I, I can still do something. I can still learn to play that guitar. I still go to LA. No, no. Uh, and uh, I'm 61 and I have, uh, uh, I have something that a lot of people have. I have a, like a really bad back now, which just happened, which is how bad backs happen, isn't it? One day you're running and jumping and swinging and swimming and flying and the next day you go, and uh, um, I don't know, I, what I got, what, you know what happened? I was jogging one day, I was jogging one day and both my feet were in the air for like a millisecond, you know, and I heard a little click in my back. And I go, within about a half a second, my world's gonna change. And I hit the ground and I just collapsed, you know? I collapsed like in those science fiction movies where a guy disappears out of the suit, the suit drops. So I don't know if you've experienced this, but I'm also uh, 31 years clean and sober, and I go to the doctor, thank you very much, thank you. 31 years ago, I gave up drinking, I gave up drugs, uh, I, gave up, uh, uh, I gave up gambling, I gave up cigarettes. I'm actually addicted to quitting stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm about down to breathing. I'll be going to Breath Anonymous. <sighs> Hi, I'm Tony. <sighs> so I go to the doctor, and I'm not saying anything. I don't know where the man was from. He may have been born and raised right down the street from me, but I'll do his accent so you get an idea. I go to him and I go, I've got terrible back pain. And he goes, oh, what kind of pills do you want? And I go, well, I, uh, I said, I'm a sober addict alcoholic, and I don't want any pills. He goes, oh, you don't want any pills. Then what kind of pills do you want? <laughs> and I go, no, man. I said, I don't want any pills at all. I go, I want some sort of physical therapy. He goes, oh, well, how about pills? You want those? <laughs> and kept trying to push them on me. And then finally, I go in and get an MRI to find out what's wrong with my back. I don't know if you've been through one of these, but it's kind of cool because you get to get in this like tube like you're going on a spaceship, you know? And then they play like German industrial disco music. You know what I'm talking about. You've been in it too. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
And then I go to the doctor and I go, well, here's your problem. You, you have, I says, okay, what's my problem? And he said, uh, you have problems with lumbar one through five. And I said, well, how many are there? And he go, well, there's five. So I said, so you're saying all of them. And they go, yeah. And they go, are you in pain? I go, yeah. And they go, when? I go, well, when I'm standing or lying down or sitting or walking or standing still. Otherwise than that, I'm good. And so then that doctor looked at me and he goes, what kind of pills do you want? And then we drive in here. I drive in here. I lived in Los Angeles for many years and flew in. And then I decided to make my commute even longer. Instead of getting on a plane in Burbank and flying to Phoenix every week, I decided to move to Maricopa and drive every week. <laughs> we have a home in uh, Maricopa, Arizona. Uh, and uh, to show you what a savvy businessman I am, I bought it as an investment in 2005. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know where Maricopa is, let me explain to you where it is. You take the 10 east, like you failed, and you go back to the Midwest to live with your parents. <laughs> well, those of you getting the jokes, explain to people next to you that aren't getting the jokes. Some of you having a great time, and the rest of you going, tell some jokes we can dance to. <laughs> and right as you're starting to leave, right as you're getting to where the tall cactus are, okay, right as you're getting out there where rabbits going, we don't live out here, uh, there's the Queen Creek Parkway. And you make a right, and then you drive, and 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 you drive. finally go, who would live out here? That's Maricopa. <laughs> also, if you're ever coming back from San Diego, the back way, and you're almost into Phoenix, so you go, oh my god, what's that smell? That's Maricopa. <laughs> it's the land, you have to drive through an Indian reservation to get there. It's the land the Indians did not want. <laughs> you can have the tainted soil of Maricopa. It is cursed and evil. By the way, you will drive by our casino. Stop in. Get the hoy. <laughs> now, I, what I'm about to tell you right now is absolutely true. This actually happened. I'm going to tell you exactly how it went. A lot of times as a comic, you're embellishing things. There's very little embellishment to this story. Sometime around that time, when I first bought the house, it was a, uh, it was a great investment. Then it was a terrible investment. Okay, and uh, the one good thing that came out of it is I met a wonderful woman, and we got married, and we lived there, and now, uh, and since I had a drug and alcohol problem, and uh, the drug and alcohol problem caused me to do this a lot, I have no sense of smell. So Maricopa is perfect for me. <laughs> one of the benefits, I can enjoy New York City in the summertime and live in Maricopa, and those are the only positives from a, a bad drug experience. So, one night I'm going home, and I stop at the local bashes to get some things you need. If you know you have a house in Maricopa, you live there. I needed a toilet paper, toothpaste. Uh, I needed a gun. I need some bullets. I need a notebook to leave a note. The basics. That's right. Thank you. Feel free to add to the jokes anytime, folks. I can hear you. You can hear me. And I reached out to pick up a copy of the New York Times because I still want to feel connected to planet Earth, even though I now live on the moon. By mistake, I pick up a copy of the Wall Street Journal. Now, the Wall Street Journal is for people who know about money. I never bought the Wall Street Journal before my entire life because as an investment, I bought a house in Maricopa. <laughs> I know not a single thing about but they're out of the New York Times. So I was going to read the Maricopa Monitor, but I didn't need to lose any more uh, brain cells. So um, I take my Wall Street Journal home, and I'm sitting there, and I'm speaking with my wife. I'm reading it in front of my wife, and uh, I'm going to reveal a little secret, a little man-woman secret. Women want to know why. Men will take a newspaper if they still buy a newspaper or something like that and go read them in the bathroom. And the reason it, we do it is so that we can read them. 
Um, yeah, uninterrupted. Because here's what will happen. And you know this. There was a woman who said that. We'll sit there reading the paper, which kind of freaks you out anyway because you can't see her face. And you'll ask us what we're reading. We will tell you what we're reading. I'll go, well, I'm reading about the economy. And then you'll say something like, what, well, did you hear about my sister? You know what's going on with my sister? And that's it. Now you've got another wasted 50-cent investment. You can tell the people that are in secure marriages because they're laughing. And the marriage is a little rocky. The guy's sitting there going, shut up, buddy. Just shut up, okay? Why don't you talk about airlines or something that comics normally talk about? So I take my Wall Street Journal and I go up to the bathroom. And I'm sitting in the bathroom. I don't even want to put too aggressive a picture in your mind's eye, but I'm sitting in the bathroom of my house that I never planned on living in. I'm sitting in a house I never planned on living in, reading a newspaper I'd never bought before. And I begin reading an article. This is all true. You can actually Google this article later on. And as I'm reading it, it says my articles continue on the next page. I turn to the next page. There's my article, but at the top of that page is a giant headline. You know what the headline said? It said, Dream Dies in the Desert, Maricopa, Arizona. <laughs> it's a New York newspaper. I go, this is fascinating. I'm reading, you, you, you know, at a certain point in life, you want to see your name in print, you know, best cheerleader, best in band, but at a certain point in your life, you go, keep my name out of the paper. And now I'm reading about my town in a New York newspaper. And it's a fascinating article. And it says that uh, ground zero of the American home foreclosure crisis is the bedroom community of Maricopa, Arizona. And it was called a bedroom community because at that point we just all laid in bed and cried. <laughs> and it says ground zero of ground zero is the subdivision of Maricopa Meadows. What is the name of my subdivision? <laughs> I never finished the article. I was afraid to. I was afraid to get the final paragraph and say it's sitting in the bathroom in a house that he never. <laughs> Folks, my name is Tony Music. Thank you very much. <laughs>
so when customers come by, they'll be like, yeah, let me have one of them turkey gyros. <laughs> oh, I'll give you a turkey gyro. Turkey gyro, turkey gyro, ooh, ooh, turkey gyro, gyro. <laughs> yeah, that's all going to be embedded in your heads tonight. <laughs> Coca-Cola plant uh, right next to it, so employees would naturally come by to, you know, get lunch and stuff. Fortunately, we sold Pepsi products, and if you got caught drinking Pepsi there, you got fired Vince McMahon style. You're fired! Uh, but, uh, some would still take the chance, though. They'd take the chance. I almost kind of felt like a drug dealer. Hey, you want some pep in your step? <laughs> I got that good stuff. <laughs> but most though, most got Dr. Pepper, for it was the neutral soda. It, it had no blue or red color gang affiliations. In fact, if you mix the two together, you got that brown little soda can. Smart doctor. Switzerland of soda, I call. I was supposed to go better. <laughs> hey, do you want to know? Uh, do you want to know the secret how we tenderize the beef? We cooked it in the tears of baby calves. No, no, no. Delicious. Yeah, I don't work there no more. It's not because of that. Man, no, I just got tired of cleaning the fryers, man. I had to wear big black rubber gloves. I had to wear like a big, you know, big black thing on me. And I had to wear goggles, safety goggles. I felt like I was Neil Patrick Harris at Dr. Horrible. I had to, felt like I had to do a sing-along how I ran a restaurant. As a matter of fact, Time to make the curly fries. So they go straight to your thighs. Onion rings, jalapeno bites. I bet I know just what you like. With my fry scoop, I will clog your world. With my fry scoop, I'll make you feel like you need to. Whoa. Thank you guys, you have been an awesome sauce crowd. Thanks for putting up with my shenanigans tonight. Long days and pleasant nights to you all. You guys are in for a real treat. This next comic is a real good friend of mine. Give it up for Avanov Goron! like to start off with it's Veterans Day, so I'd like to thank all our veterans um, for fighting for freedom of speech and for what I'm about to say. So, whenever I meet someone new and I tell them I'm an Indian, if they look confused, I'll explain to them, I'm a computer Indian, not a casino Indian. <laughs> That's fine, because the first time I had to fill one of those forms, 
You know ones that ask you if you're like white, black, Latino, Pacific Islander, Asian, or American Indian? Well, I chose American Indian. <laughs> That's when the guy at the counter started asking me questions like, Sir, do you believe in right dances? No? Have you been oppressed by the United States government? Not yet. <laughs> Sir, you're not American Indian. He proceeded to explain, in order to be American Indian, you have to be a casino Indian. I, on the other hand, am a computer Indian, which is labeled under Asia. Come on. He also explained to me, he's like, sir, in order to fill out these forms in America, you gotta be kind of racist. I learned a lot about America that day. So I went to ASU to get a degree in mechanical engineering. I ended up partying so hard, I got a degree in math. <laughs> Which in my culture, makes me an acute failure. <laughs> but getting a degree in math, I thought I'd get a job uh, problem solving or, well, you know, doing math. But apparently people just wanted to hire me to stand on a floor and make phone calls all day. It's like, if I wanted to do that, I would've just moved back to India. <laughs> So growing in America, I learned, uh, I noticed that whenever white people grow beards, everyone thinks it's like cool and manly. But whenever Indian people grow beards, you think we're about to blow something up. <laughs> Which is fine, because whenever I go to the bank, I feel very safe. The police are already watching me, and the would-be robbers are running away hoping I don't blow them up. Oh, when I go to the airport. See, when I go to the airport, I get to skip the long lines. Plus, I get a free and a very thorough colonoscopy. <laughs> so, something I've noticed lately is that whenever I make plans with my friends, a lot of times they won't show up. And when my friends don't show up, it's different than when your friends don't show up. Like, your friends don't show up because they have, um, well, something better to do. My friends don't show up because they're getting waterboarded by CIA. <laughs> like when they do show up, it's like, uh, hey man, where have you been? Why are you soaking wet? Sorry, dude, I was getting interrogated by the CIA again. <laughs> Apparently someone do something up in India, they thought it was me. They did offer me an internship, however. I, I just have to move to Guantanamo Bay? <laughs> Good luck with that, buddy. So I recently graduated from ASU in May. About 2014. With a degree in math. And ever since then, I've been having a really difficult time getting a job. And I thought it's because like I'm Indian, and, you know, people just discriminate against me. Turns out it's kind of a math degree. <laughs> like I walk in interviews and tell these guys that I have a degree in math and they look at me and go, oh shucks, I hate math. <laughs> Apparently these people hate math more than they hate liberals. <laughs> Which worked out for my friends with liberal arts degrees because these guys would just walk in interviews after I walked out knowing they'd always get the job. Like I have friends who are art history majors with 401ks. Well, I'm here standing on stage trying to tell you guys jokes trying to put together 1k. 
place that I had to get a call back for was for a call center. Ironic, right? <laughs> but it turns out being Indian isn't enough to get a job there. Like, they required me to put on a thick Indian accent and pretend like I was from the deep south. Like, I was returning a phone call for them and I was like, Hello? My name is Billy Bob Jackson. I am calling from Louisiana. I am calling to return your phone call, Mr. Uh, Seymour Butts. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's how I read your name. Okay, okay, don't, don't get mad at me. Um, you want me to prove I'm from Louisiana? It's very simple. I eat the grits and I watch the NASCAR. <laughs> you still don't believe me? You want me to prove I know NASCAR? It's simple. Cars go round and round and round and round in a circle for hours until the last one who's awake wins. Oh, you believe me now? Okay. Oh, you, no, no. You want me to prove more? Okay, I know that when Katrina comes knocking, you don't answer the door because she's in a hurricane of a mood. <laughs> okay, so now to your computer problems. Well, it just looks like you have to turn your computer off and on again. Well, that didn't work? I don't know, dude. Goodbye. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't get hired for that job, mainly because we live in Arizona and I have a math degree. <laughs> So, I have really bad allergies, and for the most part, I can keep my allergies un under control. Except for when I have like a job interview, or a date with a really pretty girl. Because then I just end up sounding like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, just like, Hire me. <laughs> Hire me, please. <laughs> or, In fact, it's turned me into a seasonal dater. I can really only date from like November till, uh, well, November. <laughs> so, growing up as the child of Indian parents, I learned early on that I could insult anybody as long as I use an Indian accent. Because American people love Indian accents. For example, if I went up to someone and I was like, You sound like a dirty liberal! You could offend a lot of people that way, especially in Arizona. But if I said it like this, you sound like a dirty liberal. <laughs> it's not as bad. Or if I went, you know, you sound about as smart as Donald Trump with Down syndrome. See, that's really offensive, especially people with Down syndrome. <laughs> But if I said it like this, you sound about as smart as Donald Trump with Down syndrome. That's actually still really offensive. Don't say that. <laughs> and the absolute worst one I had was, uh, you smell like a dirty immigrant. Now as the child of immigrants, that is very offensive. Please do not say that. But if I said it like this, you smell like a dirty immigrant. See, that's a compliment, because to me, you just smell like curry. <laughs> All right, that's my time for tonight. Thank you guys very much. <laughs> up next, you wake up to this guy almost every single day. He's on Fox 10. Please welcome my good friend, Corey McCloskey. <laughs> thinking to yourself two things. First, you look smarter on TV. <laughs> and second, 
I wonder if that shirt comes in a men's style. <laughs> yeah, I get it all the time. But I wear a lot of suits at work, so I'm living it up with this shirt. It's, um, I don't know, I'm trying to get used to the V-neck. Are you V-neck guys out here? No, I like that. <laughs> Not at all. Because it's, uh, it's kind of a gay look. I always thought, well, like, when it first started out, like, here comes the V-neck. I thought, I don't know if that's me. But I know, I'm sure coming in here tonight, there's like ten guys saying, you owe me five bucks. <laughs> I told you. Uh, but that'll be my only gay joke tonight, I promise. Um, but you may know what I do for my regular job. Not very much. Um, I admit, being uh, a weatherman in Arizona, it's not what we call uh, like a calorie burner. Uh, my, uh, the, the most energy I expend really is trying to get the lid on the panic when it rains. <laughs> now, uh, who here, who, which, who of you are born in Arizona? You just grew up here. Okay, one, you six, okay. About 18% of the crowd, like usual. Well, it's not really polite of the rest of us to brag, but we've seen rain. <laughs> You don't have to scramble the F-16s every time there's a shower. I'll get through it. Um, but now our show—it's early. You know, like if you're ever offered a, a job with a, a 2:50 a.m. wake-up call, think it over. I know that sounds glamorous. Uh, not as much as you might think. But the cool thing is, though, I get to see the valley like in a way that. Very few people see it. The commute, fantastic. It's like me, a bread truck, two home invaders. And they're in separate cars. They can split up afterwards. You know? uh, but the, the things you see, I mean, we've all seen, you know, like the ladder on the side of the freeway and the bookcase. The, the carpet roll. Um, those are commonplace. Now, I was coming down the 51 last summer, middle of August, and as I'm coming through the beautiful dreamy draw there, um, I, I can I notice peripherally I see these two teenagers getting on the freeway on skateboards. <laughs> so I'm a good citizen. I call 911. You know, what's your emergency? I said, well, there are two boys um, on the 51, around Northern, and they're on skateboards. Now, here's where the training kicks in. I mean, she's just going on muscle memory now. She says, uh, well, could you describe them for me? <laughs> Does this happen a lot? <laughs> How many more skateboarding delinquents am I going to meet, you know, on the way? Let's look for the two, you know, the boys on skateboards. That'll be them, probably. Um, but I, uh, like all of you, except you six and you, 
Um, I, I didn't grow up in Arizona either. I'm from a tiny town in Pennsylvania, center part of the state. Um, Pennsylvania, as you know, is the gateway to Ohio. <laughs> it's on our license plates. Kind of sad. Um, but uh, growing up in a little town, uh, many of you are probably small towners. We've got some out here tonight. Little Bird, you know, it's nice, isn't it? Where you? What, t what place is that? Yeah. Pine Hills, Florida. Do you know the top elevation in Florida is like eight feet? <laughs> like you grew up in a treehouse or something. That's uh, that's impressive. Um, that sounds nice, though. Uh, but my little town, Millersburg, Pennsylvania, I can still see the sign, you know, when you enter town. Millersburg, Pennsylvania, uh, founded 1807, population 2,554. And they're pretty strict about that. <laughs> I mean, you should have seen the commotion down at the nursing home when my aunt had the triplets. <laughs> Let that sink in. <laughs> uh, that's for you, math major over there. Um, but uh, my little town is kind of near uh, the Dutch country. If you've ever been out that way, Pennsylvania Dutch country, they're great folks. We don't have many exports in Pennsylvania. Uh, we've got uh, radioactive gas. <laughs> we shipped that down to Maryland back in 79 uh, during the Three Mile Island incident. Uh, and then we have the Amish many of whom we've sent to Ohio and Indiana. Uh, but uh, they're great people. Their, their farms are gorgeous, you know, just tidy, no, no electric lines clogging the uh, horizon, really nice. And their kids are perfect. They're like, like Little Debbie and Tom Sawyer, you know, those are their kids. And then the, the, the moms are all fresh scrubbed, you know, gingham everything, and the, the husbands, you know, black suits and those Abe Lincoln beards, you know. It's like a, it's like a hipster funeral every day <laughs> in Lancaster. Um, but they have a, a very, uh, kind of a peculiar way of talking, you know, Pennsylvania Dutch, it really is Deutsch, which, is, which is, means German. So uh, they're really of German descent. And uh, in my town, the, the boyers down the street, they were not Amish, but they kind of came out of that, uh, that line of descent. And uh, you could walk by their house and hear something like, uh, there was Elwood and Mabel, and she'd say, uh, Elwood, throw me down the stairs, my shoes. <laughs> And I heard him once in the backyard. They were two yards over. Mabel, toss me over the fence, that shovel. <laughs> I mean, you don't know until the end of the sentence whether you know it's a wedding or a murder. You can't, you're waiting for the direct object to show up. That's for you English majors. Um, but now I live out here in the big city. And uh, although it's, it's a big city, but it's like, don't go out of the city, because then it's wild and uh, dangerous. I mean, everything here, you know, bites you or pricks you or stings you or burns you. Um, <laughs> it's off. Um, and I've learned the hard way, that's for sure. Um, 
Got any dog lovers here? Dog people? There you go. See, that always brings the mood up. And what kind of dog do you have, Miss? A Maltese. Oh, well, as they're known in Arizona, nature's candy. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, well, we, uh, at our house, we've got two chihuahuas, which are, <laughs> I've learned, just as delicious to the uh, wildlife. Uh, now, here's the thing. You ladies, this is what you need to know about us, men. We love you. You know that. We're living with you. Um, <laughs> We hear you when you're talking, but we don't hear everything. Like stuff is just flying past us, you know. We'll grab something, you know. If you, if you would accidentally mention or say the phrase uh, oil change, that stops us. We're interested whether you might have done it. We're sure you haven't, but there's an off chance that you saw a sign or have a coupon for one. Uh, but most of the stuff, we admit, kind of flies by. So I recently uh, had one of those tough uh, experiences. It's about, it was in the spring. And it was on a, I do remember the day, it was on a Tuesday. And my wife said to me, hey, um, I wish you wouldn't walk the dogs. We have two dogs um, in the wash by the house without the leashes. She said, I saw a coyote out there. And I, I, it doesn't seem, it seems dangerous. And you know, of course, my response is, what could happen? I'm going to be there. I'm not just sending them off, you know, to, to camp. Uh, I'm going to be with them the whole time. Now, now we do have the two, two, and one, they're like kids. Actually, kids are more like, kids are more like really smart pets, actually. I mean, you can teach them a lot of stuff. But in this case, these are the pets. And the one, I mean, like kids, we have a favorite. <laughs> yeah. That's laughter born of knowledge. Um, but so we have the dumb one. Uh, perhaps like in your family. Um, but the, the dumb chihuahua, his, his goal in life is to maintain his valley fever until death. He'll snuff into any hole he can find. He doesn't care what was living in there before, rattlesnake, badger, prairie dog, whatever. And he'll also eat anything, too. Now, that I love. I mean, you can toss him, like, whatever, corn chip, broccoli, Lego. He'll just choke it down. He's happy. The other one, the smart one, if you offer him something, he gives you one of the... And then he backs off for a while. And then he'll, then he'll take it from you, but then run to, to eat it over here in case you're going to try to get it back. So I'm like, yeah, you're on to me. I've been keeping you alive for seven years so that tonight, during game three of the World Series, I could assassinate you with this sun chip. You're a genius. Anyway, I'm out there in the wash on a Saturday morning. 
the day before Mother's Day, in fact. And um, we're getting back to the house. We've run, we're getting back to the house. And the dumb one, his face is actually in a hole over here. So I'm trying to keep him, you know, to yank him out. I, uh, I don't have his leash, but I'm trying to get to him. I hear this, and I look around, and there's the good dog. And he's just kind of dangling like this. Because he's in the jaws of a coyote. Yes, has him like by the back of the neck. And now is running. So I'm running. Hey! Hey! And I'm running. And I'm picked up a stone. Like, I don't know what I was going to do with it, but I thought it would be a great idea. Perhaps at the end of the run. But as I, this is how selfish I am. As I'm running, I'm thinking to myself, if this, if this ends the way it looks like it's going to end, I'm just going to keep running. There's nothing left for me back there. I've already been told. Well, thankfully, as I got into the brush where I couldn't even see them anymore, zoom! The dog comes shooting back out of the brush, and I'm safe. I don't know what happened in there. The, the coyote's probably thinking, how can I eat with this mental patient screaming at me all the time? <laughs> but anyway, it all ended well. We got, we got back to the house. This is the perfect finish. Um, the dogs got in, and the one's all slobbered up, you know, in the neck, and the other one's sniffing him because he's never sniffed a coyote's spit before. <laughs> they jump up on the bed, and I'm lying in the bed. I'm looking over for the damage, you know, a little, little puncture wound, but all was well. And uh, my wife just came strolling through. <laughs> Pip is really panting. <laughs> And I was sitting on the bed and I just said, Yeah, he had a pretty good run. <laughs> so, next day was Mother's Day. I didn't bother to tell my wife the story until the evening of Mother's Day. Because that's what husbands do. We try to spare you the worst. Oh, I'm getting the light, so that means I gotta fly. I got 30 more minutes, but I'll give them to you another night. I'm Corey, those are the jokes. Thanks for having me. I'll see you Monday morning on Fox 10, everybody. Great show, great holiday show. You want to make your reservations now. Are you ready for your headliner, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, thing to tell you about that uh, uh, if you enjoyed the show tonight, uh, absolutely free is our gift to you. If you go tomorrow to comedyschoolsradio.com, uh, my, uh, my wife Shirley and I, we have uh, our own internet-based radio station. Let me be clear. If you're over 50, we have an internet-based radio station. If you're under 50, we have a podcast. So... <laughs> And it's ComedySchoolsRadio.com. We have a lot of great interviews there, a lot of great live shows. This show is being recorded live right now, and it'll be downloadable on ComedySchoolsRadio.com uh, tomorrow afternoon. So uh, if you enjoy the show, you can take it with you uh, forever and ever and ever. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct pleasure right now to bring this man on stage. He's a man I work with many times. I call him up and I said, Paul, I need someone really funny. Will you please come back to the Valley of the Sun just one more time for us from Los Angeles, where he's out there and just really kicking it uh, in a fantastic way. He said, Tony, yes, I will. And now to entertain you, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend and yours, Paul Green. <laughs> having a house in Maricopa, you know? Somebody's got to live there. Everyone else left. Special thanks to Mikey V. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that Turkey Gyro is going to be sweeping the nation here. Hey, have you guys heard about the Turkey Gyro? No. That's how you do it. And they're going to put on the instructional video. It's going to be Mikey V on this stage that microphone stand. I'm pretty sure I don't want to touch that microphone stand. Mikey V has done things to that microphone stand that should never be done to microphone stands. Look how uncomfortable it feels. It's just standing there. Doesn't know what to make of what just happened. That's all I got about Mikey V. Let's keep it going for him. Corey McCluskey, ladies and gentlemen. A weatherman who did that entire set without a teleprompter, right? <laughs> I get a sworn, Corey's just gonna be up here. So we have a joke right over here. And as you go to the joke, and then there's gonna be a punchline pushing in right through here. <laughs> but we're gonna have a high pressure story that's gonna come in, it's gonna wipe out those punchlines. Coming in from the east, we're going to do a little crowd work. We're just going to talk a little bit to this person, and then we're going to just wrap it all up, and then it's going to be some laughs right here. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Corey McCluskey, uh, he's probably going to have to leave. I think he's late for an underwear print ad that he's, uh... <laughs> right? Underwear? Underwear print ad? Doesn't he just look like an underwear model? Yeah. Lodger, right? Oh, okay. We've lowered our standards. All right. <laughs> Sold our soul! Alright. And a special thanks to Tony Visick. He really did get me started in comedy. Matter of fact, my first comedy show was on this stage two years ago, ladies and gentlemen. I went to LA and I came back like most of them. Uh, <laughs> right? Okay. Alright. So great to be back in Moxie. I miss Arizona. I've been in LA too long, and the thing I miss most about Arizona. People with realistic expectations about life, guys. Oh my gosh! You don't get that in LA. Everybody in LA is like, yeah, I'm pretty much gonna be a multi-millionaire movie star, actor, producer, clothing line designer. Did you wanna hear our specials? We've got soup. I'm no different, you know, I went out to LA, I wanted to pursue comedy, and somehow by accident, two months later, I was an actor. <laughs> Still don't really know how it happened, but I, I was following the career path. See, two months, I was an actor, uh, four months, I started writing my TV pilot, and then six months, I was clinically depressed. So I was taking, <laughs> taking the fat, oh wow, okay, you guys really love me. You're like, no, Paul, we're not gonna laugh at your depression. <laughs> and then a year later, I came back to my hometown, so that's pretty much, that's what they all do. That's what they do. Uh, it's been 
fantastic, though. Uh, L.A. can be very discouraging, though. It can be a very discouraging town. When I decided I want to be an actor, this is a true story. It's a little edgy. I'm not an edgy guy, but this is just what happened, okay? So don't... I'm just warning you now. You're going to hear something a little edgy. <laughs> but it's the truth. It's what happened. I'm not saying it to be edgy. Are we going to be okay? It's just... It's barely even edgy. It's the edgiest I will get tonight. Is everybody okay with that? Yeah. You're sure? Okay, here's what happened. So I take this acting class, it's my first acting class, and I'm really nervous. Because this teacher, she's like this iconic acting teacher in Los Angeles. She has an office right on Hollywood Boulevard, right around the corner from Chinese Theater, and I'm really nervous for this acting class. So I go to the acting class. And in the first class, of course, she has me read a scene as you do in acting classes. <laughs> we haven't got to the edgy part, okay? <laughs> this is all just the milk toast part. I'm setting it up for when it gets a little edgy, which you all said you're okay with. <laughs> so was the baby, all right. The baby's like, get to the joke already. The baby's getting very impatient. No, this is a true story. Uh, so I'm very nervous. Um, the first time I'm in front of the class and I have to do this scene, I literally say one line, the teacher stops me and she goes, Paul, why are you acting so rapey? <laughs> first of all, not my intention. <laughs> She asked the question like that was my character choice. Like I went in with that, you know? Like I did a little script analysis before. I'm like, okay, boyfriend walks in to restaurant, sees girlfriend, says, sorry I'm late. How should I read this? <laughs> I know. Now in some cases I wish that was the case. I wish it was a character choice because the truth is a lot more embarrassing. And I'm not making this up either. Because I was so nervous, I was like, okay, Paul, you want to know what? You're enough. <laughs> you don't need to be anybody else but you. <laughs> so just go in there and read it as yourself. <laughs> I learned a lot about myself in Los Angeles. <laughs> like perhaps why I'm 35 and still single. I thought it was for other reasons. It's a discouraging town. It can be very discouraging. You gotta have, gotta keep your head out. It can be very hard. Like I mean, right, even now, my brain is just totally fried. My brain is just fried, ladies and gentlemen. It's completely fried for the same reason that everybody's brain in Los Angeles is fried. Memorizing a Shakespeare play. <laughs> that's what happens. You go out to LA, you get a Shakespeare play, you're memorizing your brain fries. And that's true, ladies and gentlemen, I actually got the lead in a Shakespeare play! <laughs> it was very hard to get. In the audition, they asked me one question. They said, do you have a life? <laughs> and I said, no. They said, be perfect. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Like, you don't want to hear me act? They're like, no, nobody understands what he's saying. Just, 
I just need to know if you can show up to rehearsals four hours every single night of the week and then go home and memorize a Shakespeare play. That's all we need from you. It's good though, you know, I used to think Shakespeare was really boring, you know, you read it in high school and, but doing the play, I gained this new appreciation for just how boring Shakespeare really is. <laughs> if you thought it was boring in high school, try memorizing a Shakespeare play! And then rehearsing a Shakespeare play, and then performing a Shakespeare play ten times, it loses its luster. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. If you think they're long, yes, they're long. Even longer when you're in the Shakespeare play, and you've had to memorize the Shakespeare play, and rehearse the Shakespeare play, and perform the Shakespeare play, it gets a little much. Shakespeare's interesting though, because um, I remember I was in a communications class once and my professor said, the sign of an intelligent person is someone who can explain complicated ideas in a simple manner that everybody can understand. That's an intelligent person. Which I think makes Shakespeare the biggest moron ever. <laughs> Shakespeare does the opposite. He takes a very simple idea, very simple. And he will explain it in the most complicated way ever. <laughs> Shakespeare might say something like, Anon the suns won't kiss the morning dew. Yeah. Maybe the grease. <laughs> Whence the chickens brew did toil to and fro. The risen wheat did yield the fire's embers. And thereupon did silence my hunger. And all he really said is, I had breakfast. <laughs> and for the Shakespeare nerds in the audience, I'm not kidding, I actually wrote that in iambic pentameter. <laughs> and half the crowd doesn't know what that means. All right, that's, that's good. I don't know, why did Shakespeare write that way? Did he talk that way? Was that like his normal conversation? Must have been a pain being his friend. Hey, Bill, how you doing today? All thy query has stirred my soul, so passionate is thy wit and thy care. <laughs> but shall I tell us thee all be well what I can see but heaven from hell? <laughs> so, bad day? <laughs> I'm gonna have to get the cliff notes. Uh, I'll talk to my professor real quick, figure out how you're doing. I have no idea. They say Shakespeare wrote comedies, but I can't see Shakespeare doing comedy today. I tell us thee, what be the deal with airport security, right? <laughs> Does I not speak truly? Does I not speak truly? Airport security? I tell us thee, shall I but endure a thousand x-rays upon my soul, or endure the shame of their formidable caress? <laughs> At least with the latter, one thing is sure, I might fall in love with the woman in glove. Does I not speak truly unto me? <laughs> Shakespeare doing crowd work. Excuse me, fair maid, what be thy name? Milka. <laughs> Hello, Milka. 
thy face radiance with the beams of a thousand sunlights. <laughs> thy hair doth flow like winds upon the breeze of the shore. When I look upon thine eyes, I see not but that which is most beautiful and plentiful within my heart. <laughs> and now thou goest to sleep. I, she went like this. She's like, oh, Shakespeare, I usually sleep in this part. <laughs> you don't know Shakespeare. Shocker. Ah. You want to know who else does it? Everybody. Everybody does it. Oh, thank you. Ah, thou complimentest me. Indeed, my heart goes flitter-flatter. <laughs> now tell us me, Milka, what doest thou for thy work that thou might pay thy rent and furnish food for thy tummy? First grade teacher. Ah, teacher of the first grade? Yeah. Ah, one person cares. <laughs> Ah, she cares as well. Who be a thee that thou pointest to? Heather. Heather. Ah, Heather. Like the sweet fragrance of flowers upon a meadow. Art thou? Oh, I think. I believe I am wooing the wrong lady. I... I woo here, yet she swooneth. Perhaps I speak it to her, but through thee, thou shalt, thou shalt be the surrogate of my love. I shall speak as words of flattery to thee, but then afterwards I go with home with her. <laughs> On second thought, perhaps not. I see thou hast a strapping young gentleman next to thee. Is this be thy companion of some sort? Oh! She committeth not. <laughs> with her wings free like the birds that shall waft upon the wind. <laughs> Shakespeare doing crap work, ladies and gentlemen. I feel like I scored a victory for Baldwin because, um... That wasn't, that wasn't the punchline. You guys are awesome if you'll just laugh at the setup. What's the deal with the freeway? <laughs> Freeways! That is so right! I get that! Freeways! Thank you, no, that's truly incredible. Uh, no, but not only did I get the lead in a Shakespeare play, ladies and gentlemen, this bald guy got the romantic lead. <laughs> About it. Maybe I should have talked like that during my play. Hello, Beatrice. <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty big win, because usually you expect romantic leads to, like, not look like me. Uh, <laughs> you know, hair, for example. Yeah, you know, uh, Tom Cruise, Matthew McConaughey, Chris Evans. You know them, right? She's like, now you're with it. <laughs> Shakespeare, uh-uh. <laughs> What's that? Oh, you're awake now. Because I stopped doing Shakespeare. She's like, Shakespeare's over what? Oh, okay. <laughs> Slow down, professor. <laughs> That's right, so as a ball guy, I had a romantic lead in a Shakespeare play. And if you're wondering, well, how did that happen? It's very simple. They made me wear a hat the whole play. 
That is a true story. Matter of fact, there's a part in the play where another character is actually supposed to take my hat off, and during our dress rehearsal, the character did, and the director stopped the run-through and said, no, the 16th century isn't ready for that. So we kept the hat on. Wow, you guys are very empathetic. I like that. I feel the love. Um, I feel uncomfortable doing self-debasing humor now. I don't know how to... I got a lot of self-debasing humor coming up, so you're going to need to just laugh at it. You don't need to be, oh, because then I feel like, oh, well, now I just got to talk awesome about myself. I can turkey gyro, can you? stand here because I know you would laugh non-stop and I wouldn't have to do another thing. Check this out. I bet you I can get another one.
I might have a chance with her. I might. Oh, see, okay, now she's deferring to Heather. Heather refers to this lady, passing me around. Are you single? Oh, as of 10 minutes ago. Quick change the Facebook status, change the Facebook status. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the permission. She just gave me permission to ask you out without your consent. That is... But we all know it's not going to work out between you and I because it's going to work out between me and her. But not until tomorrow when he's out of the picture. And then there's an opportunity. A friend once asked me if I lost confidence with women when my hair started falling out. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> that was the whole conversation. Uh, of course I lost confidence. He's not asking that question to a man with like beautiful, long, thick, flowing hair like, hey Raul. <laughs> Did you lose confidence with women when your hair became long, silky, and smooth? <laughs> Yes, it is true. <laughs> I did not know if the women would notice me. But then I made love to them all! <laughs> Raul's doing just fine for himself. If Raul was here, he would not be single, I guarantee it. He'd be like, I'm available, I'm available! <laughs> I don't know if you have a wedding ring on, but that's what I was trying to impersonate there. So you're not married? Free game. Free game. Free game, baby. If he likes it, he should put a ring on it. Otherwise, free game. Listen to Beyonce. And turkey gyro. in the next music video, I tell you what. I tell you what. I just don't think any woman like dreams of like marrying the bald guy. I don't know. I don't think that's like when they're in their like dream journal in sixth grade. Is that what they're writing? Like someday. If I could have it my way, I would meet a man. It's gonna be funny. It's gonna be funny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one out of one. He's gonna be sensitive. Very sensitive. He's gonna listen. You know, we could just just have a conversation here. Just not worry about. <laughs> not worry about anybody else. No, I really like it where every time I say something, you say something after. It's like, no, I love you. <laughs> I keep pronouncing your name wrong. Can you say it one more time? Malika. Malika. Oh, I did say it right. No. Oh, okay. I said it wrong. <laughs> Thank you.
Malika. <laughs> I don't think seven hours gone well between us. But I'm pretty sure in a few moments, I'll be able to change your mind. <laughs> Character. <laughs> 
I do it in a row, because then I build. But now I have to reset. And build again. Only two bald characters in Disney. The fat, bald soldier from Mulan.
go under the sea, Mary Ariel. I think Prince Cuball is going to be fine once the hair kicked in. <laughs> Wish I had a more climatic ending for that, but uh, it ended bad. It ended bad for everybody. She left. <laughs> <laughs> And you wonder where my self-debasing humor comes from. All my jokes about being insecure making a lot of sense now. She even has a boyfriend. She's like, I don't know, that's too much. That's, uh, that's too close. Too close for comfort. I'm pretty insecure. It's never gone well with women for me. 35, single, never been married, never really been in a serious relationship. It's a, it's, it's a difficult situation when like, you ask a girl out and you immediately know she doesn't want to go out with you. You know, like, believe her. Because the moment you ask them out, they do this thing. I'm going to exaggerate a little bit, but it's some version of this. You ask them out, and they're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> And in that moment, what they're trying to do is they're trying to think of an excuse to get out of it. And trust me, we don't want to be in that situation any more than you do. We're sorry. It would be nice if everybody who asks everybody out was just interested and interested in being asked out. It doesn't happen that way. For me, it happens that way almost 0% of the time. <laughs> but in that space of panic, they will just say the first thing that comes in their mind to get out of there, even if it makes no sense. <laughs> this is an actual turn down I have from a girl, and I'm not making this up. I wish I was. <laughs> Heather, you'll probably relate. <laughs> Not so funny. Not so 
So I was friend zoned by this girl that I really, I really like. And so I didn't give up, because that's what I thought you were supposed to do. Don't. <laughs> give up. She friend zones you, move on. If she leaves in the middle of your comedy show, probably not going to work. <laughs> I'm learning these things, but I didn't know that at the time. So I didn't give up. I pursued. <laughs> you're just taking over from Lika now. She's gone. You're like, okay, now I got to respond to everything. Passing the torch, just like you did with me. <laughs> That's what offends you? Wow, that... <laughs> Passing the torch, Green, that's where we draw the line, mister. We were okay with your rapey joke, but that's gone way too far! So I friend zone. Oh, she's back. You have missed so much. So much. Okay. Uh, I'm talking about, I'm, I was friend zone with a girl. Catch you up. Friends on with a girl. I think you missed the girls who make up excuses. Like, I'm not dating anyone right now. Did you miss that one? It was pretty good. Got a pretty good laugh on that one. <laughs> Don't make me sing you another song. <laughs> oh, you want another song? I'm not going to sing another song. <laughs> I'm not going to sing <laughs> it's a good time for a break. It's a good time for a break. We got a good like dip in the energy. I've been pretty high energy. Now we're just kind of relaxing. But don't worry, I'm gonna bring us back and then I'm gonna kill it with a closer. How <laughs> <laughs> I roll with it. Where was I? <laughs> Frenzo, yes! I never really left, actually. <laughs> No, that's actually really funny. <laughs> Where was I? Friend zone. No, because I never left. So I still am there. <laughs> Jokes are so much funnier when you explain them. <laughs> see how much see how much funnier that was? So I'm in the friend zone. I want to get out. <laughs> of the friend zone, as you do. And a golden opportunity fell upon my lap. I wish I would have used different words right there. <laughs> an opportunity presented itself. She was a nanny, and she used to play Nintendo Wii with the kids that she would nanny. However, her Nintendo Wii broke. She's talking to me, complaining, and I was the guy friend, so I listened. Because <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> she said, Paul, my Nintendo Wii broke, and I'm so sad I love playing that Nintendo Wii with those kids. And I thought, wait a minute, Paul, you have a Nintendo Wii, and you hardly ever play it. And I thought, what better way to win her heart? <laughs> than by giving her one of the worst video game consoles ever created, slightly used. <laughs> and her birthday was coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Opportunity is knocking. I am gonna turn this relationship around with a thoughtful gift because we also know how well that works. <laughs> 
So I wrap up my Nintendo Wii, and it just so happened I was going to be out of town on her birthday. And I was like, oh, opportunity again. I can make this just so thoughtful. <laughs> We're all struggling. We're all struggling. It's a long night. It's a long night. We don't know how long I'm going to go. We've got to drive home. Trump's president. You know, there's a lot going on. A lot going on. A lot of stress. So, I arrange with my mutual, our mutual friend Kevin. That's like Kevin. Will you please deliver this gift? I'm going to call her May because that's not her name. And this is recorded. And I don't want her to know I'm telling this story. <laughs> I give the present to Kevin. I say, Kevin, will you please deliver this to May on her birthday? Hand delivered for me. And I go out of town, and I didn't know how it was going to end. I didn't know if it was going to be too much, you know, because sometimes if you do too much, it scares them off. But, you know, you, you want to do something. You want to make an impression, you know? You want to be like, you see, I'm thoughtful. I can do stuff like this, and, and I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to give you a, an elaborate gift and to show that I was listening. And I know you would appreciate this. And I, and I made sure that you would have it on your birthday, even though I was out of town. And on that day... So nervous, because I didn't know how she was going to respond. I didn't know if I was going to get the message like, well, Paul, we're just friends. Back the hell up. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know. Or maybe, like, you dream. Like, maybe she'll be like, oh, my gosh, Paul. You know? I wait all day. No message. No call. I wait all afternoon. No message, no call. <laughs> if you're sad at this part, it's getting about to get worse. <laughs> Gearing up for it. Finally, that night, she calls. And she is flattered. She's appreciative. And I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe this will be a turning point. She's like, Paul, I'm just so overwhelmed. Thank you. And, and she's thanking me. She's like, this is the best present I have ever got on a birthday, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going really, really well. And I'm pleased to announce, ladies and gentlemen, that after six months of dating, she married Kevin! Oh. The delivery boy! They have two kids! They're always posting happy pictures on Facebook! She got a husband, he got a wife, they got children, and I don't even have a Nintendo Wii! <laughs> but I'm really happy for him. Wanted to turn out well for him. It just never went, dating just never went well. I, um, <laughs> I had a date scheduled with a girl. She texted me the morning of, and this is all she said. Paul, I'm so sorry, I forgot about this thing tonight. Can't make it. <laughs> this thing? You had three days to think of an excuse and you couldn't even make one up? I forgot to have this thing. The thing was not going out with you, but I totally forgot. I totally forgot I was on my agenda. I thought I was gonna go out with you, but I was like, no, I have the thing, which is not going out with you. So it was the opposite of the thing that you thought 
you thought was going to happen was going to happen with me, but that, that's not the thing. <laughs> that's this other thing, which is not a thing. Yeah. Thank you. You're with me. I had another girl text me the morning of the day, and I'm making these stories up, guys. This is my life. This is the life I live. I have no idea why I'm talking like that. This is the life I... I just became Chris Rock! Hack up every time! A woman! <laughs> What's with the white women every time? <laughs> that is a horrible Chris Rock impression. No, I had this other girl text me the morning of. Same thing, canceled. She's like, Paul, oh, I'm really sorry I can't make it tonight. You know, but thanks for asking me out. And if that wasn't bad enough, at the end of the text message, she put a winky face. <laughs> How am I supposed to interpret that? Sorry, Paul, I can't make it tonight. <laughs> I seriously thought maybe she was flirting with me, like maybe this was a joke, like, sorry, Paul, I can't make it tonight. Just kidding, can't wait to see you. The just kidding text never came, so, uh... <laughs> you don't wink at someone when you're letting them down! Sorry, Stephen, after viewing your quarterly reports, um, we're gonna have to let you go. <laughs> Mrs. Johnson, we did everything we could for the fight over the room down. Hey, um, Hillary? Walked into the men's bathroom by accident. 
before realizing it, she trips and falls with enough momentum to slide under the bathroom stall. And our eyes meet. <laughs> My name's Paul. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
And in the middle aisle, she's standing at 133 pounds, 5 foot 4 is Jessica! My parents are rich, so I feel entitled to lash out at others as a way of gaining attention, Mendoza! <laughs> I was totally unprepared because when I became a bus driver, they only gave me one training and it wasn't even a session. It was just advice. <laughs> They're like, Paul, oh, if a fight ever breaks out, just remain calm. <laughs> I got this. With the two students currently engaged in a violent altercation, please stop. <laughs> If you are currently slamming another student's face against the chair and yelling, I want to kill you, please observe the procedures and guidelines in your student handbook of appropriate conversation between fellow students and return to your seat. If you are currently causing soft tissue damage to the eyeballs, fellow student, we invite you to practice accountability and good life choices. And think through the consequences of your actions. I had no idea what to do. I probably had a better chance just making money on it. I should have been like, hey, who can we find the one on Mendoza? Find the one on Mendoza! Should have just become like the Don King of Anger Bus Boxing. Today we are going to ground the king of the bus. It's going to be a melee on the highway, a cruising while bruising, a rumble in the big yellow jungle. Only in the school bus can you become the king and be crowned a champion. Please don't stand until the boxing has come to a complete stop. And after the bloodbath, please put up your trash. And after the blows, please put up your windows. God bless America. <laughs>
na 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 hey 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 I want to start a fight na 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 I want to make up right now na na that's what makes you beautiful na 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 she's always like na 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 then she's like yeah yeah if I were a rich girl na 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 getting jiggy with it na 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 getting jiggy with it na 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 turn the lights up they carry me home na 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 na, hey, na na na, whoa, I wanna rest in your love. And then my people said, na 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 na, yeah 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 yeah. And then my people said, if you wanna make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. Na 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 na. My angel is the centerfold. Na 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 na. My angel is the centerfold. Don't you give up? Na na na. I won't give up, na na na. Let me love you, let me love you, na 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 na. Yeah, why don't you write some freaking words? I love free, thank you. Once again, let's hear it for Corey McCloskey.